Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. I begin in the name of the Almighty God, the compassionate, the merciful. The one who has created everything in utmost perfection. And may the peace and blessings of the Almighty God be upon his pure and beloved messenger the peak of his creation, the symbol of humanity, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. And his immaculate progeny of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Holy Quran, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Qalat rusuluhum afillahi shakkun fatur as-samawati wal-ard. The messenger said to their people, Is there any doubt about the existence of the Almighty God, the one who created the universe, the heavens, and the earth? Illuminate your hearts and minds with a very loud salawat. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Muhammad. As believers and as Muslims, the pillar of our faith is to believe in the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the existence of God, the existence of a creator who gave us life. However, when it comes to rationally establishing the existence of God, we find that many of us struggle. Today, one dilemma that we have in many families is that parents who grew up as Muslims, who think they really know this religion well, they struggle to explain to their children, to their teenagers, to their youth, that the Almighty God exists. A while ago, a, while ago, a young man, a teenager came to me, and he was struggling with the idea of God's existence. He told me, Sayyid, I'm having serious doubts. I want tangible evidence and proof that God exists. How do I really know that God exists? Religion claims so, but I want tangible evidence, something that I can be sure 100% that there is a God. Now when I talk to my parents, especially my mom, and I tell her, what's the proof that God exists? She tells me, look, if you don't believe in God, He's going to burn you in hell, and you're going to end up in hell. That's the response that she gives me, and that's not convincing for me. And this is a dilemma, my dear brothers and sisters. Many of us today, if we were asked, prove to me that God exists, what would you say? A lot of us would struggle, right? And isn't this the core of our religion? The belief in the oneness of God, the existence of God. If someone now were to ask you, if your 15-year-old son or daughter, your friend, someone, tells you you believe in God, right? Your whole life is based around the laws of the Almighty God. Well, how can you prove to me beyond any doubt that there is a creator? What would you say? In our discussion tonight, my dear brothers and sisters, I want to walk you through some very basic ways, but profound ways that demonstrate to us the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's very important for us to know this process, to talk to our children about this process, because that will solidify our faith. While religion is very complex, 
But at its core, it's very simple. Allah would not burden you to believe in something that's so complex that only 1% of the population, you have to be a philosopher or some genius to understand it. No. Religion at its core is extremely simple. It's something that a child can understand and can perceive. The existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that if we only open our hearts and rational minds to, it is more evident than the sun. So this young man told me, Sayyid, I want you to prove to me that God exists. Show me through logical steps. I know we talk about the Big Bang, and let's say the origin of the universe is the Big Bang. This is the most widely accepted theory. Religion is telling us that God, Allah, is the one who created the Big Bang, and God is the one who has these attributes, He has this identity, He has these qualities. How do I know? How can you prove to me that He is the one who really caused the Big Bang? I want evidence beyond any doubt. Because for now, all I can say is, I don't know. Maybe this God that religion speaks of was there and He created the universe. Maybe He wasn't. Maybe He has these qualities that the Qur'an talks about. Maybe He doesn't. How do I know for sure that God created the universe? And God is the one that the Qur'an talks about. How do I know? I want evidence and proof. Let's go through these simple steps, my dear brothers and sisters, to see very clearly the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we look at the world around us, we see everything is in motion. Everything is moving. The galaxies are moving. The sun, the stars, the moon, they're moving. Allah says in the Holy Quran, and we have created the day and the night. The sun and the moon, all of them are gliding in an orbit. Everything is moving around us. In fact, every cell in your body is moving. And what makes up those cells is moving too. Every atom, there's movement in it. Every electron is moving. When you look at the world around you, everything is in motion. This very... Land, the earth that you sleep on, you walk on, you live on is moving. And subhanAllah, the Qur'an makes a reference to this 14 centuries ago. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alam naj'al al-arda mihada? Have you not seen how we've made the earth as a mihad? Mihad has a number of meanings. One meaning in Arabic of mihad is taken from the word mahd. What does mahd mean? For those of you who know Arabic. Mahd is the cradle, right? In the past, they would put babies, infants in a cradle. They would rock the cradle so the baby would fall asleep. Now the cradle is moving, but does the baby feel its movement? It's so peaceful. The baby is sleeping, it does not even feel the movement. Allah says, this earth is like that. It's moving, but you don't feel it. You sleep peacefully on it. Look at these beautiful Quranic references. Everything is in motion. Now by the laws of logic, when you see all this motion, ask yourself, the law of logic, the law of causality states, whenever there is something that's in motion, it needs a cause. Motion is an effect. It needs a cause. 
What is it that caused this motion? This whole universe, starting from the Big Bang, is in motion. What is it that caused this motion? The law of logic says something must have caused it. Now let's examine the possibilities. If you say, well, the universe itself, matter, the atoms, they themselves caused this movement, that's impossible. Nothing can cause itself. You need something in order to cause it, an external force. Nothing has the capability and capacity to cause itself its existence and its movement. It needs an outside force to push it, to put it into motion. So let's come to the Big Bang. Seconds before the Big Bang, the theory is that this whole universe was contained in a very hot, dense core. Then it started to expand at a phenomenal rate. Seconds before that expansion, what is it that caused the universe to expand? What is it that gave it that energy? What is it that put it into motion? One day this universe did not exist. Then it started to exist. What is it that gave it motion? What are the possibilities? We cannot say it created itself. It caused itself. We need an external power. Let's talk about that external power. If that external power is subject to time and space, it's matter, then we'll ask the same question, what caused it? What is it that put it in motion? Because it also needs something to put it in motion. Now if you infinitely go into a regressive chain, logic says this is impossible. You need a starting point in the end. You have to start somewhere. If there is a paper and you see that there is a sentence passed on it, a judge has signed it. You go to your local judge and you ask your local judge, who signed this? He tells you the other judge, the federal judge. You go to the federal judge and you say, well, who stamped this? Another judge. And they keep deferring you to some other previous judge for an infinite amount of time. Is this possible? In the end, you're going to say, look, I don't care. All I know is somebody stamped this. I have to go back at one judge who stamped this paper. You can't go back infinitely. There must be a starting point. Because if you go back infinitely, that means there is no paper. There is no judgment. But I can see it here. I can see motion. So I know it must have a cause. That cause cannot be physical. Because if it were physical, if it was made of matter, then it needs another cause to put it into motion. So I know by the laws of logic that whatever that cause is, remember at this point we're not even saying Allah or God. We're just speaking logically. I don't know what the identity of the Creator is, but I know one thing for a fact. That Creator cannot be physical. Because if He were physical, if He was made up of matter, He would need another cause to create it, to put it into motion. So now I know one thing about this cause. Because this young man, he was asking me, tell me about the identity of God. How do I really know that this is the God that the Quran talks about? This is the Creator. Even if you cannot see fully the attributes of that cause, but you know some aspects of it. I'll give you a quick example. Let's say I have a curtain here. I have a piece of cloth and I'm holding an object let's say a small car. I'm sitting on a table, I take this car, 
You're not seeing what's happening. But suddenly you see the car in motion. It gets pushed to the table and it falls off the table. You can't see who pushed it. Was it my hand? Was it a robot? Was it some fierce wind? You don't know. You really don't know what pushed it. But what do you know for a fact? Somebody pushed it. Something pushed it. I can't say my hand pushed it because you didn't see. There's a curtain. It's blocking your view. Maybe it's a robot. I don't know. But I know something pushed the car. The car did not push itself. That much I know. Let's now examine this cause that put this universe into motion. We're trying to figure out the identity of that cause. So one thing we know about the identity of that cause is that it's not physical. It's above time and space. Because what is time? What is time? Time is the result of motion, right? And that's why the faster you travel closer to the speed of light, time can slow down. It can speed up depending on your speed. Time is the result of motion. But if you don't have something that's physical in motion, there is no time. So whatever that cause is, I know by the laws of logic, it's above time and space. Because if it were bound by time and space, it would have needed another cause. Now some people will ask you, okay, then who created God? Who created that thing? It doesn't need to be created. It's above time and space. It's not in need. It's not in motion. It doesn't need anything to put it in motion. That's what's different about that cause and everything in the universe. That cause does not need anything to put it in place. It's always there. It's above time. It's above space. That's the first point. The first part of the puzzle in discovering the identity of that cause. Number two, whatever that cause is, did it have power or it's weak? It has no power. If that cause created this vast universe with all the energy that's contained in this universe, I better believe that whatever that cause is, it has power. Because if it did not have power, how did it give so much power to the universe? Look at the sun. One small star amongst billions and trillions of stars in this universe. Do you know how much energy the sun has? How much energy does the sun have? One hour of sunlight on earth, the energy that it generates, is more than all the energy that human beings use an entire year. From fossil fuels, from electricity. All the energy that we use in an entire year is less than one hour of the sun shining on earth. That's one little star. So whoever created this universe must have power. Is this something that I logically can accept? The young man said, yes, okay, I accept. Whatever that cause is, whatever put the universes in motion must have power. And look at the world, the Qur'an, subhanAllah, the beautiful aspect of the Qur'an. It's so practical in its application. The Qur'an says, look at the world around you. See these clouds? You want to see the power of your Creator? Look at clouds and how they transport rain. How they transport water. You know water is really heavy. What's the weight of one gallon of water? Eight pounds. If you have 100 gallons, you have 800 pounds. Can you lift 800 pounds? Billions of gallons in thunderstorms, in rainstorms, travel. The water evaporates, it travels 
and billions of gallons fall to the earth. What is the mechanism that the Creator has devised to transport this quantity of water? What is it? Aircraft carriers? No, they can't even hold that much water. What is it? Some spaceship? What is it that carries the heaviness of this water? Billions and trillions of tons of water. What is it that carries it? The Quran says, look, it's the wind. My dear brothers and sisters, what's the wind? What is the wind? Thin air. You can't even see it. Allah is telling you in the Quran, see this wind that you can't even see with your own eyes? I use it to transport billions of gallons of water. Can you do that? Is this not a sign and indication of my power? Look at this water. You can have an aircraft carrier, a ship with billions of gallons of whatever it's carrying. Thousands of tons. And the water carries it. And nothing even happens to this, this small little drop of water, which when it gets on your hand, it's so fragile, it evaporates within seconds. Allah says, I use this water to carry the ship. Allah says this in the Holy Quran. These are the signs of Allah. Have you ever studied how the ship sails in the midst of the oceans? That's the power of Allah. And subhanAllah, look how the water distributes the weight of the ship. If you were a diver and you were to go under and swim under this ship, go like one feet below this ship in water, do you feel there's something above you? Nothing. What happened to all that weight? Allah says, these are my signs. Think about my system. You think this is all random? You think there's no design here? So one thing that we know about the identity of that creator is that he has power. The second thing that we know about the one who put the universe into motion is that he has knowledge. Whatever it is, he's, he knows what he's doing. Because the universe is so delicately balanced Whatever made it, whatever created it, whatever put it in motion, knew exactly what he was doing. Stephen Hawking, who unfortunately died without believing in God, despite all the signs that he saw, being a physicist, and he was a very intelligent person. But there are some reasons why people reject the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll examine that briefly in a few minutes. He has a beautiful statement. He says if the rate of the expansion after the Big Bang, seconds after the Big Bang, the universe started to expand at a phenomenal rate. If that rate of expansion was smaller by one in a hundred thousand million million, the universe would have recollapsed before it could have reached its present size. You know how small this number is? One part in a hundred thousand million million. If you were to put a zero next to every atom in the universe, you could not capture this number. That's how small this number is. Zero point zero zero zero. Put trillions and trillions and trillions of zeros, you can't still get to this number. You don't see the signs of an intelligent design here. And he says if it expanded any faster, then it would have expanded too fast for the planets to form. What is it that caused this delicate balance, this perfect balance? And then the gases that emerged after the Big Bang, that created this universe, the solar system. Now, 
At this point, I still don't know the identity of that cause. That which caused the universe. But I know that whatever it is, it had intelligence. Whatever it is, it had knowledge, amazing knowledge. It knew exactly what it was doing. If you can develop the nucleus of an atom, you have to be intelligent. You know exactly what you're doing. So the young man, as I was telling him this, he's like, okay, I don't disagree. I told him, do you have any doubts about this? He says, no. Whatever put the universe in motion is not physical. I accept that. It's not matter. Number two, it has power. Amazing power. Number three, it had knowledge. Okay, what does that prove? I told him, Habibi, that thing which is above time and space, which is not matter, and it has knowledge, and it has power, we call Allah. That's God. What do you want more than that? That's exactly who God is. You can call it whatever you want, but that is the essence of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. That's the God that the Quran is talking about. He's above time and space. He's not matter because he would be in need if he were and he would need another cause. Number two, he's got power. One of the attributes of Allah is qudra, power. Allah ala kulli shay'in qadir. And number three, Allah has knowledge. He's omnipotent, omniscient. That's what we call God. So now you've discovered the identity of who God is. Now is this something that is based on superstitions, myths, something that the Quran says that cannot be verified, or logically you can verify this. Logically you can verify this, my dear brothers and sisters. And remember, at its core it's very simple. It's extremely simple at its core. Yes, you can get into very complex discussions, but the existence of Allah at its core is extremely simple. That's why the Quran says, Is there any doubt about the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In fact, the clearest reality in our mind, the most evident reality is the existence of the Almighty God. Imam Hussain so beautifully puts it in Dua Arafah. He says in this part that's attributed to him at the, at the end of Dua Arafah, Ilahi mata ghibta anna. He says, Oh Allah, when were you ever absent for you to need any proofs to establish your existence? When were you ever absent? You're always there. For you to need some proofs for us to come and establish your existence. Then the Imam says, Blind is the eye which cannot see the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now you, be, you may be wondering, if the existence of God is so obvious, then why do some people reject it, right? I mean, the sun is very obvious. We don't see anybody coming out there and say, hey, there is no sun. There are three main reasons, my dear brothers and sisters, why some people reject the existence of God even when it's so obvious. Number one, the existence of God is so clear. Because it's so clear, Sometimes people cannot see it. I'll give you two quick examples. We human beings, how do we come to know things? We know things through their opposites. How do you know what light is? When you see darkness. If we had one shade, one level of light that was persistent, would you know what darkness is? You wouldn't know what darkness is. 
Light would be always around you. There's one shade of light. You can't see different shades. Light is very clear, but you wouldn't know what light is. You'll be told, look, you're surrounded by light. You're like, what do you mean? I don't know what light is. If you had not seen the opposite of light, which is darkness. Or if you were to theoretically ask a fish, what is water? Does a fish know what the water is? It doesn't know what the water is. Unless you take it outside the water, then it knows. See, we come to know things through their opposites. Now here's the thing. Allah is the creator. This universe has a creator, a designer. If we could theoretically see a scenario in which you had a universe without a creator, we would clearly see the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But even theoretically we can't see a case, a scenario of a universe without God because it's impossible to have a universe without God. So because it's so clear, sometimes you can't see it. That's number one. Number two, my dear brothers and sisters, is arrogance. Many atheists know they have a creator. But sometimes arrogance takes them away from their creator. They want to be free. I don't want to believe in a God because if I believe in a God, then God has a system for me. See, the problem with those who believe that were some evolutionary accident. We talked about evolution. Those who believe it's all random, there's no intelligent designer. In essence, you know what they're telling you? You're some evolutionary accident. There's no purpose behind you being on earth. Some accidents happened, a trillion accidents happened, random things got together. Suddenly there was life, it started to evolve. There is no higher purpose, there is no goal. Live life however you want. They don't want any limits, any limitations, my dear brothers and sisters. And it's arrogance. Some of them, even with arrogance, they will say, I once saw one of them, with arrogance he said, who is this God that I have to be subjected to? Subhanallah. You're subjected to the laws of nature day and night. Can you defy them? Can you not eat, not drink? Can you not go to the bathroom for one day? That's how miserable you are as a human being. Now you have the arrogance to say, who is this God that I have to be subjected to? Thousands of laws you're subjected to. You're weak at your core. But the human being sometimes becomes arrogant. That's the second reason why they reject the existence of God. The third reason, my dear brothers and sisters, and this is extremely critical. And this is why we hold on so dear to the path of Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. Many people throughout history, committed crimes in the name of religion. And these people don't want to be under the influence of those who committed those crimes. Many people. Why did Europe steer away from religion? Look at the history of Europe. Before you look at the Middle East and some problems there today, look at the history of Europe. When the Pope was in charge and he acted like a king. You know, a few years ago, when ISIS burned that Jordanian pilot, the world went upside down. These Muslims, what is this, what is that? Even though ISIS does not represent Islam, no respected Muslim body of religious authorities accepts what they're doing. Yet the world held Islam accountable. Do you know that centuries ago, the Pope in Rome, he would have scientists, philosophers be burned alive at the stake? Go read the history. And this is something that pushed people from religion. 
Because once I believe in God, I have to follow that religion. Once I follow that religion, then the Pope is going to dictate his laws, or this person is going to dictate their laws, or this country or that group. And this has caused some people to repel from religion. So they reject the existence of God. They know deep down in their conscience that they have a creator, but they don't want to admit that it's God or Allah or some other name because they are fleeing this negative history of religion. And these people will be held accountable by Allah on the Day of Judgment. That's why Imam Al-Husayn rose against Yazid to tell the world that he does not represent religion. He does not represent faith. But if we really logically analyze the existence of Allah, it's clearer than the sun, my dear brothers and sisters. We should be aware of this process that I shared with you. Let's talk to our children about it. It's very simple at its core. But it gives you evidence beyond any doubt, logical evidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does exist. قَالَتْ لَهُمْ رُسُلُهُمْ أَفِ اللَّهِ شَكٌ فَأَطْرِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The messenger said to their people, is there any doubt about God who created the heavens and the earth? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fill our hearts with His presence in this holy month of Ramadan.